Hey, this past week I uh, asked some people to give me some advice on advice. I, I said, can you tell me when you're looking for advice, what is some advice you would give while you're looking for advice? And so I want to share some of those thoughts with you. Here's what one person said. They said, ask for advice from people who will be honest with you, but be prepared to hear what they have to say even if you don't like it. That is actually really good advice. Someone else said, don't seek advice from people who you already know how they will respond because they're going to tell you what you want to hear, right? Sometimes we go look for advice from people that are going to tell us exactly what we want to hear because we want to hear that, so we'll make that decision we want to make anyway. Someone else said, ask advice from someone who has it together in an area you need help with. For example, don't ask for relationship advice from someone who is in chronically poor relationships. Isn't that really good advice? Someone gave very specific advice to pregnant ladies. Here's what she said. She said, the best advice I can give pregnant women is to ignore everyone's advice because everyone loves to give pregnant women advice. Is that true if you've ever been pregnant? Yeah. The same person also gave the worst advice that anyone has ever given me. Here's what they said. Always trust cat people. <laughs> yep, terrible advice. All right, I'm just kidding there. Actually, they did say that. That's terrible advice. But by the way, look, we all want to be better at life, right? We, we want to be better in our relationships and our friendships and marriage and parenting. We want to be better at the work we do. We want to be better when it comes to our finances and making big decisions. We, we want to be better when it comes to our spiritual life. But, but that means so often we've got to go out and find people who will influence us and invest in us to give us wise counsel. But that's the problem. Because sometimes we don't do that in life. We'll go and look at other avenues to get the advice that we're looking for. For instance, like the song that the band did earlier, Montel Jordan. Probably not the best advice to follow with your life, all right? Let's talk about partying and what partying looks like and this is what you do. And Probably not the best advice we could ever take. But many times we'll hear a song and we're like, hey, that sounds good to me. I'm going to live my life that way. Or it could be social influencers, and maybe for others, it could be reading your horoscope every day, or, or for, still for others of us, we don't even care about that because we just take our own advice. We're like, here's the decision I think I need to make. I'm going to ask myself, is this good advice? And it's, yes, it is, so I'm going to make the decision I want to make. And so many of us, we kind of go through life in that way. So how do we make wise advice? How do we take the necessary steps in our life to make good decisions in life? Well, today, that's what we are going to focus on for our time together. What does it look like to take a healthy path when it comes to our lives? How do we seek out and how do we find good advice? And so the one-hit wonder we're going to look at today actually comes out of the book of Exodus. Uh, we meet this individual at the very beginning of Exodus, but I want us to focus on Exodus chapter 18. We're going to spend all of our time there. Exodus chapter 18, starting with verse 1, here's how it begins. It says, Moses' father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, heard about everything God had done for Moses and his people, the Israelites. He heard especially about how the Lord had rescued them from Egypt. So we meet our one-hit wonder today. Our one-hit wonder is this guy named Jethro. No, it's not the same guy from Beverly Hillbillies, okay? This was a few years before that. But there are three things we know about Jethro. The first one is he is Moses' father-in-law. I don't want to get into all the details there about Moses, but there's this time in his life where he's running away from Egypt. And so he has to get a job, and he ends up being a shepherd. And the place he ends up being a shepherd at is actually the farm or the, the household of Jethro, 
Jethro has a cute daughter whose name is Zipporah, and she thinks Moses is cute, and they kind of, you know, get together, and however they did back in the day, and, and they became married. And so Jethro is Moses' father-in-law. It's the first bit of information we know. But secondly, he's also the chief priest of this place called, this nation called Midian. Now, um, Midian was a polytheistic society, which means they believe in many gods. And so Jethro's job was to kind of oversee the religious landscape for this particular group. And so his job, he was a pretty high-ranking official within the government of, of Midian. And so now we know this piece of information about Jethro. But the last bit of information we know, because he's a Midianite, that means he's not an Israelite. It means he's not like Moses. And, and that also means he's not following Moses' God. But as we look here, as we're first introduced to Jethro we see that he has heard about what Moses' God has done. That Moses' God helped lead the Israelites out of Egypt, out of slavery, into this place of freedom. And so Jethro really begins by celebrating this, this experience the Israelites had with Moses. And the next few verses kind of walk through that. But I want to shoot on down to verse 10. Because there's this conversation that Moses and Jethro have that's so important. It says, praise the Lord, Jethro said, for he has rescued you from the Egyptians and from Pharaoh. Yes, he has rescued Israel from the powerful hand of Egypt. I now know that the Lord is greater than all other gods because he rescued his people from the oppression of the proud Egyptians. Again, Jethro has heard all that God did for the Israelites, bringing them out of slavery. He acknowledges the, the power of, of this God. And again, there's a celebration that happens. But, but kind of like we do here, um, people come to visit us because, you know, people want to come to D.C. and check everything out. So they come visit us, and we might take a day or two off, and Moses takes a day or two off, but he's got to go back to work. And so he has this interaction with Jethro, and then he goes back to work. And here's what we find in verse 13. It says, The next day Moses took his seat to hear the people's disputes against each other. They waited before him from morning till evening. Now, I want to put yourself into the context of what's happening here. Uh, Moses, because of God, has led the Israelites out of Egypt, and this has just happened very, very recently. So here's what this means. There's not any structure in place for this group that's this large nomadic tribe that's going through the desert. There's really no structure here. There's no organization. There's no real leadership in place. I mean, you got Moses, you got his brother Aaron. But beyond that, we really don't see much more that, that we can kind of pull from what we see here in the book of Exodus. Now, there wasn't just like 50 people with them, okay? The population of the Israelite nation, and again, man, we, we don't have a specific number. We have some ideas. On the low end, some people say about 30,000 people, which that's a lot of people, right? On the high end, some will say 2.4 million people. That's a lot of people, too. Now, it's potentially that it's right there in the middle somewhere, maybe five, 600,000 people. No, but no matter how many people that we can kind of guess at, there's a ton of people. And Moses sees his job as one thing. Here's Moses' job. To listen to the disputes of the people all day long. Now, it's summertime. And if you have kids at home and you're not homeschooling them during the summer or they're not going to school, you know from the time they wake up to the time they go to bed, you're playing referee, right? You are working through all of these different disputes that they may have. 
Or, or maybe you're at work and you've got co-workers and from the morning to the evening they fight back and forth and your job is to get in there and to referee all these conversations, all these disputes. Well, that's exactly what Moses is doing. He's spending time dealing with these disputes. Now, some of them are legit. They're real disputes. Some of them, they're not. But he thinks it's his job to deal with this. And so Jethro jumps in and he throws out some questions to Moses as he's kind of in the background watching all of this happen. Verse 14 says, when Moses' father-in-law saw that Moses was doing for the people, he asked, what are you really accomplishing here? I mean, why are you trying to do all this alone while everyone stands around you from morning till evening? Here's a question for you. Do you know people like Moses? Or better yet, here's a better question. Are you that person? Are you like Moses? Where you think everything rises and falls with you. Because you carry a title, you carry a a position, you, you have certain skills, you have certain abilities. And you think in your mind, I'm the only one who can do this. And so you never, ever share the responsibility for other, with other people, which means nothing's really ever getting accomplished, is it? Because it all falls on you. you. You carry this burden because this is the burden that you want to carry, and you never share that responsibility with others around you. And what do we know about that? It never helps. And in fact, in the end, it makes things worse. We, we think we're being ambitious, but I think it's really about control. I think for Moses, it really was about control. Or it could have been Moses was a people pleaser. And if you're a people pleaser, this is what you do. You don't want to bother anybody else. And so I'm afraid if I ask that person, I'm going to take them away for what's important to them. And so we never pull them in. We never give them any responsibilities. Whatever the case may have been, Jethro sits in the background. He sees this happening. And he's like, Moses, you can't live this life, dude. You can't continue to, to do this. You've got to change. And here was Moses' response to that. Verse 15. Moses replied, because the people come to me to get a ruling from God. So when a dispute arises, they come to me, and I am the one who settles the case between the quarreling parties. I inform the people of God's decrees and give them his instructions. I want you to look at those words up on the screen, and I want you to notice something about it, because wording matters, language matters. Do you see what Moses says here? He says, people come to who? Me to get a ruling. They come to me, and I settle cases. I am the one. I inform. Moses is making this all about him. And and maybe in his mind he says, you know, God has chosen me to do this, and so I, I need to have this responsibility. I need to take this seriously. This is what I need to do. But Jethro is there to say, no, this isn't the way this is going to work. Because again, Moses, this isn't good for you, and this isn't good for the people. And yet Moses is carrying all the burden. And it almost seems like he doesn't want to give it up. But Jethro responds to Moses. In verse 17, he says, this is not good. And there's an exclamation point there, by the way. He's like, Moses, you can't keep doing this, dude. You you can't keep living this life it's not good for you basically people don't really like you because they never get a chance to meet with you and talk about their disputes and and then he shares why this isn't good look at verse 18 he says you're going to wear yourself out and the people too this job is too heavy a burden for you to handle all by yourself I asked a little bit earlier do you know this person that's like Moses or are you like Moses 
And if you know this person or if you are like Moses, here's one of the things that, that, that you know about yourself or that other people know about you or you know about people that are like this. You are always tired. You are always worn out. And the chances are pretty good that you are burning out or burnt out. Because you can't continue to carry all of that responsibility on your own. Now, here is Jethro, and he sees this. And, and maybe his, it's, it's his own experiences in his life. And he's like, hey, Moses, let me, let me tell you about my life, and, and let me tell you how I got to where I am today and how you can be like that. Maybe it's the knowledge of watching other people's experiences. I mean, being a high-ranking official in the Midianite uh, nation, he probably saw people that were like Moses. Whatever it may have been, Jethro sees this and knows it's not good for everybody. And so then he gives Moses this advice in verse 19. He says, now listen to me, and let me give you a word of advice, and may God be with you. You should continue to be the people's representative before God, bringing their disputes to him. Teach them God's decrees and give them his instructions. Show them how to conduct their lives. Now, I love this because, again, here we have Jethro, who is overseeing this polytheistic religious landscape. And yet, do you see what he tells Moses? He doesn't tell Moses, hey, let me throw in some of my gods and you can kind of talk to them. He's like, no, you keep following your God, Moses. Your God's actually really, really powerful, really, really important, and you need to keep being that representative. But, but, but you need to continue to follow your God. But here's the deal. You also need to find some breathing room. You, you need to find some space in your life. Now, what Jethro says here is kind of the advice that sometimes we get from people. We talk about something happening in our life, and we ask for advice, and people give it to us, and it's kind of vague. And so he, he could have stopped right here. Jethro could have been done, but he doesn't want to remain vague. He actually wants to give details, and so he shares details with Moses. Verse 21, he says, But select from all the people some capable, honest men who fear God and hate bribes. Appoint them as leaders over groups of 1,000, 150, and 10. They should always be available to solve the people's common disputes, but have them bring the major cases to you. Let the leaders decide the smaller matters themselves. They will help you carry the load, making the task easier for you. Jethro not only says, hey, you need to change things, he says, this is how you need to do it. And, and so he gives Moses these next steps. Now, now, based on what Jethro says here, a lot of what he says really comes out of the, some of the nations and their, their military structure in that day. That was really how things were set up. And I know we have many military here at the journey, and it probably hasn't changed a whole lot in a few thousand years, right? And, and so as we look through this, the structure that he gives them actually is a good structure. And there's three things that, that we find here, three pieces of advice. The first one is appoint leaders to lead different size group so a thousand you know, 150 and 10 then the next thing he says is you take the big cases let them handle the smaller stuff so all the really big stuff Moses you still need to you still need to take care of you you still need to hear those disputes you still need to seek out God and, and find answers there but the smaller stuff let those leaders figure that out but then lastly he gives him ideas of what it looks like to find the right people to lead these different size groups. He says, make sure they are moral. Go back and look there. He says, find capable, honest people. And then he says, people who hate bribes. But more importantly, he says, people who fear God. Do you notice he doesn't say find the smartest? 
find the most intelligent, find the person that has the most degrees. He doesn't say that at all. He says, go out and find the most moral people and put them in charge of these different size groups of people. Moses, this is what you need to do. And then he says this in verse 23. He says, if you follow this advice, and if God commands you to do so, then you will be able to endure the pressures and all these people will go home in peace. Now look back at this. Jethro doesn't say, Moses, do this. Do you see what he says there? He says, if you follow this advice. He says, Moses, look, man, you're a big boy. You can figure this out. I'm going to give you this advice. I'm going to give you details about what you should be doing, the steps that you should be taking. But in the end, you need to figure this out yourself. In fact, go talk to your God, pray to your God, ask your God for guidance. Make sure this is the right direction that you need to do. And if it is, then follow through with it. Because if you do, (laughs) your life, man, it's going to be so much better. And the life of the people around you, man, they're going to like you so much more. And you know that daughter of mine that you married? She's going to be a lot happier, too, because you're going to be home a lot more than you are right now. And so there might be an ulterior motive here for, for Jethro. I'm not quite sure. But, um, but it continues on, verse 24. It says, Moses listened to his father-in-law's advice and followed his suggestions. He chose capable men from all over Israel and appointed them as leaders over the people. He put them in charge of groups of 1,000, 150, and 10. Now, these men were always available to solve the people's common disputes. They brought the major cases to Moses, but they took care of the smaller matters themselves. So what does Moses do? He follows that advice. He listens to his father-in-law. He listens to those details, and he puts that into play, puts that into practice, and everyone was happier. Then look at verse 27. Soon after this, Moses said goodbye to his father-in-law, who returned to his own land. Now, the Hebrew there, it actually goes through a little bit more details. It says the father-in-law, Jethro, he rode off into the sunset on his camel, leaving behind his daughter and all his grandkids so Moses could take care of them, right? Because Moses actually left all of them with him before. So he was probably thankful to get rid of them. It doesn't really say that in the Hebrew. What you read there is what it really says. But um, this is probably what Jethro was thinking as he's saying goodbye to, to Moses. But what can we learn from Jethro? What can we learn from this conversation he has with Moses about advice in our lives. Now, there's a ton of stuff here. Uh, as I'm reading through this, I'm thinking about being a, as a pastor. What does this look like within the church structure? How do I put this into practice here? And there's a ton of stuff there. If you're a leader, there, there's a ton of stuff here to learn about leadership. But if we're talking about just living life and living it better, the way God intended it, what would that advice look like? And so as I, I read through this, there were five things I, I pulled out of this conversation that I, I hope can help you because it, it helped me as I was writing this over the past few weeks. Here's the first thing. Stop running so fast. Stop running so fast. Uh, a few weeks back, we were in North Carolina celebrating my parents' 50th wedding anniversary. And uh, it was a moment where it was me and my dad and, and my two brothers and just kind of hanging out, you know, and just talking a little bit and uh, my dad stopped for a second, and, and then he made this big apology to us, and, and he told us, he's like, hey, hey, boys, I wish I could go back and change the way things were when you guys were growing up. He's like, I, I missed so much of your growing up years. He's like, I, I was always working. Uh, I, I was always gone. I was always busy. And, uh, and I can attest to that to being true, that my dad was always gone. He was always busy. He was always meeting with people. And, um, and if you don't know this, 
my dad was a pastor for 42 years. And so sometimes we think, hey, if you're a pastor, if you work in a church, man, you've got all this, this free time and you don't, you don't waste your time and you know, you, you know how to slow down. Hey, pastors don't know how to slow down either. It's not just you. It's just not in the industries that you're in or the work that you do. That all of us are always running so fast. And I think a big part of it is our culture. Our culture teaches us to run fast. Like we've got to keep going. We can't slow down. We've got a short time on earth. And we've got to make the most of our time on earth. So, so don't stop. Keep moving fast. I found a meme post this past week or a few weeks back on social media. Maybe you saw this. And it was comparing the European way of dealing with vacation and the American way of dealing with work and vacation. And so I want to share that with you this morning. Here's what a European out-of-office response says. I'm away camping for the summer. Email me again in September. <laughs> Some of you have worked overseas. Uh, I know quite a few people that have been in France, especially during the summer. They're like, man, in August, they don't work. Like, they're, they're done. They're gone. You don't call them. You don't mess with them. They'll take care of it in September. That's not the American way, is it? Here's the American out-of-office response. I've left the office for two hours to undergo kidney surgery, but you can reach me on my cell anytime. <laughs> true, though, isn't it? We're laughing because it's true. It's like, I'm in the hospital, but go ahead, give me a call, text me, I'll take care of whatever I need to take care of. We are always running fast. And when you look at Moses, Moses was running fast too. I mean, think about these things that he did. He was the leader. He was a ruler. He was a judge. He was a jury. Oh, by the way, he was a dad. He was a husband. He was a son-in-law. I mean, he had all these different roles, and he's trying to do everything. Here is Moses who's running so fast. And maybe thinks he's running and doing good things. But, but in the end, Jethro's like, Moses, you're hurting you. You're hurting the people around you. That this isn't good for anyone. And sometimes we have to look at a person like Moses and this conversation with Jethro and be reminded we've got to stop running fast too. Second thing I would say is stop making decisions alone. Because when we run fast, here's what we do. We run so fast that we just make decisions on our own. And how many times can we look back on our life and see these regrets? And when we see these regrets, we know they came from the decisions we made alone. That we didn't take time to get someone else involved with the decision-making process. That, that we were running so quickly, so hard. We're like, i got to make this decision in a hurry. And so I've got to do this quickly. This is a decision I'm going to make. And we keep moving forward and we hurt ourselves. And we look back now, years later, and we know why those relationships are broken. <clears throat> we know why that marriage didn't work. We know why our finances are in shambles. It's because we tried to go through life making decisions alone. And Jethro says, Moses, you cannot do this. You need to bring others into this with you to help you make these decisions. You can't carry this whole burden. There have to be others that are part of this too. And so he says, you've got to stop running so fast. And you've got to make, stop making decisions alone. But then that means you've got to start doing something. So the third thing I would say is you've got to start seeking wisdom from others. Um, I think most of us, if we're not a teenager now, we were a teenager at some point. And uh, if you were ever a teenager, you knew it all as a teenager, right? Uh, we've got three teenagers in our house, and they all know everything. And, um, and so some of you are experiencing that with your teenagers. 
My, my mom is a pretty soft-spoken, uh, kind, sweet lady. And so if she ever reprimanded you, you know you really messed up. And so I, I can still remember this. I was a teenager. My mom looked at me and she said, Chad, you are not as smart as you think you are. And I still remember that to this day. And some of you, you probably had that exact same conversation with your parents. And you know what? She was right. And your parents were right too. Because we think we're so smart when we're that age. Like, I've got all this experience. We don't have any experience then. And I can make life decisions. No, no we can't. And yet we think we can. We're not as smart as, as we think we are. Uh, 23 years ago, I started in full-time ministry. And as I look back, when I first started, I can tell you that I thought I knew it all. And I can also tell you that I know that I was probably a jerk to a few people because I thought I knew it all, even though they had more experience than me. But, but over time, as I've aged, and I've hopefully I've aged gracefully uh, in my years in ministry, here's what I know. I know nothing, okay? I really don't. I don't know anything, and I've got to always seek wisdom from others around me. Uh, I'm a part of a couple of pastor groups, and probably every couple of weeks, I'm sending out a text message. I'm making a phone call, shooting out an email to this group of, of guys to, to just hear from them. I, I want to I know more about how you lead your staff and church structure and sermon ideas and, and how you, you, know, you take care of your own spiritual life and how you find rest. I mean, constantly asking these guys, and they're doing the exact same thing. Help me out. And so there's, there's this thing here that just kind of says, hey, we don't know it all, and we want to know more. We, we want to grow. We want to hear from others. How many times do we do that? I mean, I do that in other areas, too. If when it comes to my marriage and parenting and finances, there are people in my life, hey, can you help me out? I've got this struggle. Hey, I'm thinking about this. Can you, can you give me some wisdom for my life so that I can make wise decisions? And every single one of us, we need that. We need people in our life who can invest in us and give us wisdom because only then can we be better. Proverbs chapter 13, 10 says, Pride leads to conflict. Those who take advice are wise. Jethro comes to Moses, gives them the, his, this advice. Moses takes that advice and begins to put it into practice. And it helped him out and it helped others out too. Now, why did he do that? Maybe, again, it was Jethro's experiences, his knowledge, his age, trust, faith, whatever it was. But whatever it was about Jethro, Moses heard those words and he put them into practice. But here's the fourth thing I would say. Not only do we need to make sure we're getting other people involved in our decision-making, but we've got to start seeking guide, God for, for guidance. When we look at the conversation these two have, that's the one constant, uh, is that God is involved with this. Here again is Jethro leading this polytheistic society, this religious landscape there in Midian. And what does he say? He doesn't say, come follow my gods, come listen to my gods. He says, Moses, Keep focusing on your God. Keep being a representative of, of your God because your God is true and your God is powerful and there's something there. And so Moses does that. Moses continues to seek God for wisdom. But how many of us seek God for wisdom in our lives? Now, now we may seek wisdom from other people or we may, you know, like I talked about earlier, seek wisdom from celebrities or social influencers or whatever it may be but how often do we seek wisdom from God 
how often do we take time to pray about those big decisions in life? Because when I asked that group of people earlier, I said, hey, what's some advice you have on getting good advice and staying away from bad advice? Almost every single one of them said we pray. We take the time to pray about these decisions. Not only do we ask other people and look for these certain criteria, but, but we also spend the time in prayer. James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Why do we have regrets in life? Probably because we have been running so fast that we have been making decisions alone. That We haven't taken time to invite other people into that decision-making process, but we haven't invited God into that. And when God's missing that, we, we can make some terrible decisions in our life. And here's the crazy part, and I go back to this conversation. Moses tells us he's been praying for the decisions that he's making. He's praying about these disputes. He's asking God to be a part of, of what he's doing and, and the decisions he's making with these people. I also believe that while he's praying those prayers that are probably very specific to what he's hearing, God is there saying, you know what you need, Moses? I'm going to answer your prayer but I'm going to answer it in the, 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 play, the way of a, the, sending this, this person into your life. And, and so I believe God sends Jethro to Moses. So Jethro can say, hey, Moses, you're doing a pretty good job, but this could be better. And here's how you can do that. Because I believe that's how God works many times. When we're looking for advice in our life and we're seeking out, sometimes God puts people into our lives that just give us the wisdom that we need. Because we take the time to ask God for that direction. I think we see that here with Moses and Jethro. Then the last thing I would say is start taking steps to change. Because asking for advice is one thing. Following advice is actually something very different. Because if you and I were to look back at our life, we've gotten a ton of good advice. But how much of it have we actually used? Right? We get good advice, and yet we make decisions to do our own thing. We, we move in our own direction. We, we do what we think is right. And we can stand right here right now, and we can look back and all this good advice, and we say, you know what? Four years ago, I should have listened to that person who told me to buy Bitcoin because I would be a multimillionaire right now. <laughs> and I didn't listen, and look where I am, right? But, but that's the way life is. We get good advice, and we don't take it. We kind of move in our own direction, and and here's the deal. If we get good advice, we need to be able to take the steps to change, to move, and to make a difference in what's happening around us. Moses listens to what Jethro says, and he puts that into practice. And in the end, it was better for Moses, it was better for his family, and it was better for the nation of Israel. I can promise you that if we take these steps in our lives, we will have fewer regrets. And that means that we are truly following the direction that God is leading us. We're bringing people along to help us. We're, we're running slower. Uh, we're doing the things that we need to do. We're taking those steps. But it really means that we are allowing God to lead our path. In, in Psalm 32.8, it says, the Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. I want the best pathway for my life. And I'm pretty sure you do too. And how do we get there? 
Well, I think we take advice and we learn from the one hit wonder whose name is Jethro. Let's pray. God, we are grateful for this day. We are thankful we get to be in this place and, and worship together. And God, I pray that we all could be more focused on following the steps you've laid out in front of us. That we can, we can find people like Jethro to be a part of our life, to give us the wisdom and the guidance that we need. But then in that, God, we are focused on you, uh, that we are allowing you into our lives to help us make these decisions. Life is not easy. And God, we have tons of regrets, but we don't have to continue to have regrets in our life if we take these steps, if we make these changes, if we take the advice that is put out there in front of us. And I know sometimes that's hard. We want to do our own thing, God. So we ask that you would just lead us. Uh, maybe you would break us uh, that, so we would get to a point of needing to listen. Whatever it may be, God, just lead us forward. Open up that pathway for us in our life to fully follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.